Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. And today's topic is a difficult one. Uh, one of our directors, Rick Denowith, recently passed away. And we wanted to use this podcast to first remember and pay tribute to him and his impact here, but also to discuss um, the process that we will use to fill the vacancy on our board of directors. Um, Rick passed away unexpectedly on November 11th. He was a director at Cherryland for nine years and at Wolverine Power Cooperative for six of those years, most recently as the chair of the Wolverine Board. He was active in the business community in the Grand Traverse region. He was the developer at Copper Ridge and the principal at Three West Commercial Real Estate and Business Consulting Firm. He was um, really just active throughout our community in several different causes, but perhaps most importantly, he was also a loving husband and a father to two sons. So joining me today to remember Rick and discuss his impact on our co-op family are four men who collectively have 123 years of experience with the co-ops. Uh, first, Tom Van Pelt is the Vice President of Cherrylands Board and has served our membership for 28 years. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Uh, Eric Baker is the CEO of Wolverine Power Cooperative, where he has worked for 30 years. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Good afternoon, Rachel. Terry Lautner is the president of Cherrylands Board and has been on our board for 32 years. Welcome. Thank you, Rachel. And finally, of course, we have our general manager, Tony Anderson. Tony has been with Cherryland for 13 years, but has been with the electric co-ops for 33 years. Hi, yes. Tony. Afternoon, Rachel. So, gentlemen, over the course of your time with the co-ops, you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of co-op directors. What do you think made Rick such a good board member? Rick, Rick had the outstanding ability to look at an issue and be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. He, he could get down to the, the nitty and the gritty of the, any issue that was in front of us and really look at it objectively and just uh, know where, where the results, look at anything long-term, Look at uh, what the consequences of decisions would be. Uh, he, he just had that unique ability to <clears throat> analyze issues and and come to conclusions that were reasonable, practical, and in the best interest of our members at all the time. And he never tossed in his business experience. He had a vast array of business experience, but he would never use a specific example like in XYZ business we did this or CD&E business we did this. He tried to understand the co-op business and just apply general knowledge to that without lording over us his vast experience that nobody else in the room had. Rick was a really good question asker and and that's how he got at issues. I think, it, just as Tony said, you, you wouldn't know that he had any specific business background that was pertinent to what he was doing. When he came into the co-op world, he was just asking questions about how does this benefit the co-op? How does this benefit the business of the co-op? And, and uh, he would get exactly at what Tony was talking about through um, interesting questions and thoughtful questions and dialogue. And, and um, it was, a, it was a great way for him to take his experience and, and bring it to this new environment, which, which was truly new to him. From his first day on the board when we appointed Rick, he was a, a replacement a director that we had to appoint uh, prior to an election. The entire board looked to him almost immediately as a great resource. He seemed to, uh, because of his vast background, 
he could grasp the situation very easily and um, explain it to some of the other directors if they had a question. It was very easily understood and, and extremely well. Um, he was just so so positive about everything that he did and, and how he worked with everyone. It was uh, it was an honor to be able to work with him. Yeah, it's interesting, Tony. Even as you were talking about that, he didn't necessarily say, "Here's how we did it at this business." There was so, there was a humility to Rick Absolutely. that was really compelling, and yet he was so smart and brought so much experience into our boardroom, which then helped make us better as a co-op with kind of accessing the, him as a resource. Right. But he just humble and didn't no ego never never had an ego never was worried about himself it was just a, always the membership and the questions like eric said he just he would drill down with the questions he had he had a tremendous uh respect for the the depth of knowledge of the people of the co-op employees uh both at wolverine and at cherryland he uh, respected those people so much and uh admired the effort that they put in for their jobs every day. Uh, it was uh, incredible, the passion that he exhibited toward the co-op business and the membership, really, the, the benefits of the co-op membership to the members. And uh, his, his passion was, uh, was immense, I thought, for someone who didn't come from a co-op world, who didn't... Uh, was not a rural person really. He uh, came from the big city, uh, transplanted himself to to uh, Northwest Michigan, and uh, he was uh, just a unique individual who was just admired and respected by employees of the co-op. All of the employees that respected him and admired him, and the directors uh, really. Uh, uh, we had a love for him that uh, won't will be hard to surpassed by anyone. It's interesting that you bring up the employees because I've really noticed that the last, the last few weeks. Um, all of our employees talking about interactions they'd had with Rick and times he took the time to come up and talk to them about what they were doing. I mean, he, he always took time, and you're right, treated everyone with respect. Um, and I like to think he was an urban guy with rural values, so he's not, a, not, a, not a, a big city That's an kid. excellent way to put it. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, yes. <laughs> Well, clearly, over his, you know his time with both Wolverine and Cherryland, he had the opportunity to work on a lot of different projects. Um, let's talk a little bit about the legacy that he'll leave um, and the impact going forward and the things you worked on with him. I think the legacy he leaves for me is I have to be better. He always made you better by drilling you with those questions. You always had to step up your game, and now I have to... I have to be better without him. And so that's the legacy he leaves behind is the realization I have, I have to be better. And they, they, I'll tell a quick running story. I, I, I do a little bit of running, and the only time I've got better running is when I hang out with people who are faster than me. They make you better. And Rick did that with his brains, his intelligence, and everything he did. He was better than I was, so I had to raise my game and be better to keep up with him. And that's the legacy he leaves. Well, that, that legacy um, extends to the boardroom, and I think he, uh, with his um, manner of doing things, his questioning, his um, uh, always seemed to be um, informed on the subject, he brought the entire board, rose the entire board up to his level, and uh, that will, it's going to be missed at the board level. Uh, we're going to have to... Uh, struggle real hard to re 
to find someone with anywhere near the capabilities that he had as a board member. Yeah, Wolverine Rick's, Rick's uh, legacy is, is really tied directly to two projects um, behind the scenes in ways that, that aren't really obvious. Uh, one is our Alpine power plant, the other is our, our new headquarters in Cadillac. Um, Alpine was on a very short uh, schedule and we had to acquire a lot of land to get enough, uh, enough room to build the power plant, but also to get the critical interfaces to the power plant, pr primarily natural gas and, uh, in and electric or electricity out. And we had a really short window or a narrow window in which to do that. And so we, we uh, established a, a, a land committee at the Wolverine board level so that we could review detail by detail all the property strategies, and Rick was on that committee. And of course, he was a land person himself, and and it's a, a, a perfect example of of what Tony said earlier. You wouldn't know that he never once mentioned Three West or or any of his property dealings. He just asked a lot of questions about where are you trying to get to, what's the objective, how can we do that, how can the board support you, what do we need to do to give staff the latitude so that you can move quickly. He understood the need to move fast and 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 the way to structure deals in a, in a simple way to get to done. And, and so that was a really important um, contribution he made, along with his predecessor on the Wolverine board, Dick Walsworth, who um, another very savvy land person. And so having those kinds of skills to support Tony and, and me at, at an executive level are really important in the co-op world. The second, uh, the second legacy is our new headquarters. Rick was a champion for for building it right and for thinking long term and and thinking about what it should look like in today's world and he was also a, a champion of a business model that we had we tried on in that construction which was sort of a multiple multiple contracts as opposed to a single general contract that allowed us to use um, more local content in our construction it, may, it, it allowed us to keep the cost down by probably one to two million dollars and and he gave all the credit for Wolverine staff but he was very much supportive of setting up that concept ahead of time and, and helping me understand that before we even threw into that, that mix. And so uh, two really simple examples of how Rick contributed enormously behind the scenes with no fanfare to himself whatsoever. You know, the thing I really like about those examples too, Eric, is it, it illustrates for me how important a co-op board is, right? So we're, we're really good at energy. That's what we do well, but we access this greater resource of knowledge by having board members bringing experience like land acquisition experience, right? I mean, you just said Rick may have saved our members a million dollars. That's a, that's an amazing yeah. impact that having that kind of various different perspectives on our board. And I think um, the takeaway is anytime a co-op member is voting for someone to represent them on the board, thinking about, you know, the types of knowledge that we need to do our jobs well. That's really cool. Um, so I, I, I want to talk kind of in a general sense about the attributes of a good director, but before we do that, um, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the impact that Rick had in our local community, um, particularly as it pertains to volunteerism, economic development. I mean, he was just so involved. We just sat in a funeral with a church literally packed to the gills um, with people who had been impacted by Rick. Well, look at the Copper Ridge development. I think that was one of the first 
very visible brownfield projects in our region, and he showed people how it could get done. And we've had numerous projects since that. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's and it's amazing how many businesses he was just quietly advising behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Again, taking no credit for it, but we could probably fill this room with business people yeah. who would say, "I'm successful today because of." something that Rick Dunaway yeah. did. And some he contracted with and some he did for free just because he was a, a good person and he knew they needed help. Absolutely. So, yeah. so using um, Rick as our example, let's talk about the attributes of a good director. What are your top three characteristics of an effective director on a co-op board? Start off with common sense. That uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are very intelligent, uh, but they don't understand the big picture sometimes. They're too oriented on a, on a single focus. Um, so I think that's one of the big attributes, uh, being able to look at the big picture from a distance and, and see everything. Yeah, you, you've got to, exactly, you've got to be able to look at the, the ramifications of your decisions, uh, what how they, they will impact you down the road um, you, you've got to you've got to be immersed in uh, in you, you've got to have a passion for what we're trying to do we were, we started out trying to provide electricity to rural America where when it wasn't profitable to do it and uh, if you're not uh, really committed to providing reasonably priced electricity to a rural rural members, um, you, you, you're just not going to cut it in this business uh, because that's we, we serve a lot of people who uh, they don't have the resources that uh, some people may be accustomed to having. And so you've got to be able to look at how you can do it uh, affordably to them. Tony and Eric, clearly coming from a slightly different perspective, but... Um, passion is the first thing. you, you got to want to be here. You shouldn't come to a, a co-op board with a single issue in mind. you got to realize you have to serve everybody. So just passion, open-mindedness, a dedication to customer service. You know, a little different version of what Tony said is, is sort of the love of this business. Um, Rick, Rick approached a lot of his his projects, both in his personal life and his private business life and in the co-op world, in, in a way that he loved fighting from the position of the underdog. And I think he, I think that's why the, the part of the mission of the co-ops resonated with him because he recognized that we're often fighting as the, from a position of the underdog, but there's a, a real mission to what we do. And that intrigued Rick. If you could find something that was really, really difficult, and really, really important. Those are the things that you you saw Rick invest his time in. You saw it in the community of Traverse City and the, the charities that he he fought for and worked so hard for. And 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 I think having that spirit, bringing that to the co-op family, there's that's really essential from you know my perspective as a as a CEO looking at what good board members do. They bring more than just technical capability. They bring a, a passion and a love for what we're trying to accomplish and then there's no there's no question at that point about um, about what we're trying to do the questions are only how best to do it and what should we focus on and those are real strategic 
questions that good board members invest their time in. Yeah, you know, and the other thing I, I really, and, and actually I'll just say all of our board members are good at this, but I really respect Rick for He was such a great ambassador for the co-ops back out into the community as well. So there's kind of that give and take of all of the value that, that, that our board members bring in terms of giving input into how we do things, but then also going out into the community and serving as ambassadors for what we're doing here and helping to educate our membership. And he was, he was really great at that too. Yeah, he was, and, and just like um, so many of the board members um, on our board and a lot of other boards, we're involved in other things other than just our home business and the Cherryland. We get involved in the community, and Rick was the epitome of being involved in the community with all the things that he did. But it, that part of, uh, of a person is very important when you're on a electric cooperative board, is you have to be part of the community. Absolutely. Rick was a champion. That's what, that's what separated him. He was obviously technically very competent, but he championed our cause when he was with his business associates and friends and family. A number of family members and business associates at, at Rick's Funeral Services came up to co-op employees and kept telling us how much he loved the co-ops, how much he got excited on board meeting days to because he was so excited he got to go to a board meeting. He got to go to a board meeting that day. It's, um, that's being a champion. Absolutely. So now we're not talking about Rick and no naming names, but I'm sure you've all worked with some less than effective uh, directors. What characteristics made them ineffective? What, what would be characteristics that would not be optimal in a director? Single issue is the big, is the big, um, the big one. Uh, someone will get um, in their mind that it has to be, everything we do has to be renewables or everything we, that we do has to be done a certain way. They don't look at the big picture. It's a single issue that is what I found has been the, the weakest of the board members. Not willing to learn coming into a boardroom with the thought that they know everything and they don't need to learn anything else. There's, they might be 40, 50, 60 years old and they've seen and done everything and they're not open to new stuff and different stuff. And our industry really is so complicated. There's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. Even for those of us with 123 years of experience. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think directors coming to meetings unprepared is a is a, uh, a a real difficult things to deal with, um, and and directors who don't uh, speak up and voice their opinions at our meetings, and yeah. uh, we we don't have we're very fortunate that we don't have this at Cherryland today. Yeah. Thirty years ago, we did have that, uh, but so. Directors have to be able to express their opinions and be willing to do so at, at our meetings, and uh, all opinions are heard and uh, and discussed and and uh, acted upon appropriately. A little side story to that is, years ago when I first started managing at Electric Co-ops, you would mail out a board packet in paper, and you, you'd always know the board member who didn't read that packet because he'd walk into the boardroom, rip it open, and pull <laughs> it out. A little harder to figure out who that board member is today because we give them an iPad and they just pop it up. I, I miss that ripping the paper open, so I know if somebody's at least looked at what I sent them. Surely we can find a digital imprint somewhere of how much time you have yeah, spent. I'm, I'm sure the, the computer <laughs> IT experts at the co-op know if uh, directors have opened their iPads or not today. 
New, new, new directors get their microchip installed at the yeah. first meeting. Yeah. yeah, I think complacency is is probably the, the 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 most frightening thing from my perspective as a CEO is board members that come in and assume that it's all going to work well and and their role is vital because they're our connection to the customer. That's what makes the co-op unique. We have customer representatives on our board, and when you can find those that engage and that that dig in and try to learn and that relay what they're hearing from their at their you know, from their constituencies, their customers, and they bring that back and then they apply it as fiduciaries to the board, that's when you have a good board member because we, we then can engage in debate and dialogue and, and try on different strategic ideas and think about what's in the best interest of our members long term and that's when you have healthy debate and dialogue and that's when we get better. Absolutely. So um, let me preface this by saying I do not believe we will ever fill Rick's shoes. However, our co-ops will be filling his seat on our respective boards. So I want to talk through um, kind of that process for our, our listeners. And, and maybe we'll start with, with Wolverine. Eric, what is the timeline and process for filling the vacancy on the Wolverine board and also selecting a new chairperson? Yeah, the, the Wolverine board is 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 really simple in its construct. We have seven members. Each member sends two board members to the Wolverine board. So we have a board of 14. Um, our bylaws state that each member is obligated to fill uh, the any vacancy within 45 days. And so if that doesn't happen, then the Wolverine board is obligated to appoint a representative from that, pers from that uh, respective member um, and so obviously we don't like to do that, we don't want to do that, so the member then has the obligation to figure out who it's going to send as a representative to the Wolverine board. And the member in this situation being Cherryland board, board of Directors making that decision. Do you want to talk a little bit about that too? Yes, and the Cherryland board met today and uh, we elected Tom Van Pelt to, re to represent Cherryland in the position that Rick Dunnowith had at Wolverine as our Wolverine director. And Tom brings a tremendous amount of experience. He's been uh, at Wolverine in the past. He spent uh, probably 15 years as a director of Wolverine and uh, even as a Wolverine board chairman. Uh, so we're confident that Tom will bring the experience and the knowledge and, and everything that we at Cherryland need in our Wolverine director. Um, Obviously, no one can replace Rick, and Rick is, um, you know, his, his legacy will live um, as long as any of us are alive in the co-op world. But uh, but we're confident that Tom Van Pelt will do an outstanding job for Chairland, representing us at Wolverine. So, Eric, at what point will the Wolverine board um, select their chairperson? Then uh, that will be done at the first at the next uh, board meeting, which is scheduled for December 8th, I think. Uh, it's, the, it's the second Friday this year of, of December. And so either at that meeting or the day before, um, uh, Wolverine may hold a special board meeting just for a single purpose of electing the new slate of officers. And um, the bylaws uh, specify how that is done and, and uh, we'll We'll follow one of those two things, either a special board meeting the day prior or at our regular meeting in December, and, and then we'll seat a new slate of officers and fill all the committee assignments and subsidiary board positions that need to be done. So um, now that still leaves the seat on Cherryland's board, which um, is vacant, what will be the process for, for um, 
filling that seat, Terry? Well, we, we discussed that today in our board meeting, and uh, we will solicit it, solicit uh, resumes and, and applications from interested co-op members. The, uh, Rick uh, had an at-large position, so any co-op member from any of our six counties is uh, encouraged and uh, to send their application. Uh, check our website. Uh, that will have most of the information along with the list of questions that we've developed today uh, for those applicants to, to respond to, to give the board a feel of who they are and how they, <coughs> how they view the position as a board member. And uh, we will look at those responses. We will get them in by December 16th and look at all of the applicants at our December board meeting and then pr probably uh, hold a special meeting to to re, uh, to interview candidates that we have selected from the uh, from all of the applicants in early January yeah important to note that it's a residential membership our bylaws require all board members to have their primary residence served by uh, Cherryland Electric Cooperative. It can't be a business. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll make um, all of that information available on our website for anyone who's interested. And the decision of the board was that we need to fill the site, uh, the seat, as quickly as possible. Uh, whoever does get selected for that seat will have to run for election almost immediately, but it was very important that we fill that position with the best qualified candidate that we can find. Yeah. Rick's term was up and he was up for election in June of 2017. So this person that gets appointed will will run for that election. And somebody might ask, well, why don't you just wait till June? Well, the thing is, we, we only have a board of seven. And with Rick gone, we're down to six. And it's just really small. And we just feel like it's important. We owe the membership. Uh, due diligence to get that seat replaced and then they can decide who they want after that. So for those who might be considering applying, um, maybe Tom or Terry, can you talk about what the time commitment is to be an effective board member? Wow, 24-7? <laughs> You're going to scare some people away there. You might want to define that a little better. <laughs> well, we, we uh, conduct 12 board meetings a year. And in addition to board meetings, we also have education training seminars that we go to, classes that we're taking. And I would say any individual would have to be able to commit up to 25 days a year to be an effective board member. And when I say we have a, a board meeting once a month, you know, it, it takes at least a half a day to a day to prepare for that board meeting by reading information that's uh, available, uh, our board packets and, and such. And then it takes a general knowledge of what's going on in the world, you know. Um, I think every board member should read a newspaper like the Wall Street Journal every day so they know industry issues um, throughout uh, not only our co-op world but the investor-owned utility world. And, uh, and our national issues, our political issues. Uh, it takes a tremendous amount of time. It, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it does take a, a tremendous amount of time. 
I agree with that. Uh, and additionally, you become an ambassador for the board. So therefore, you're you're out in the public. People are asking you what's going on with Cherry Land, uh, any new programs, anything that's, that the co-op co is involved with. You need to be uh, well-informed to be able to answer those questions um, in, a, in the proper manner. So you have um, not just the time it takes to research and prepare for the board meetings, but like Terry said earlier, 24-7, you're, you're an ambassador 24-7, and um, you need to conduct yourself that way. Absolutely. And we had a windstorm up here in uh, this area over the weekend, winds of 50 to 60 mile an hour. And it's not uncommon for board members, although we do not go out and repair the lines, but to be notified by a member that our power that their power is out, and so th those uh, kind of responsibilities also fall onto a board member to relay all any information to the management that uh, that needs to be done. And I and I would um, also point out anyone listening to this who's considering applying, our board members' contact information is on our website. So certainly, if you have questions, con feel free to contact our board and and, and ask about the commitment because I do think it's so important that people enter into this with a realistic expectation because we really like we've talked about today we want people to come to meetings prepared have the time and commitment to the community and it's a, it's a challenging industry to learn and if you are are interested in, in uh, becoming a Cherryland board member by all means talk to existing board members mm -hmm. and even the manager talk to Tony uh, come in into the office and spend a half a, a half an hour a couple hours and he'll talk to you about what the responsibilities are from his perspective, but uh, but talk to other board members because it's not uh, it's not just a feather in your hat to be on a chairland board. It's a it's a job and it's a responsibility that uh, we take very seriously. Absolutely, and and certainly Rick did as well. And so um, to kind of bring it back around full circle as we finish out today, we normally end our co-op with what we call fun facts, but today we're going to end our co-op with Rick memories. So everyone, I asked everyone to to bring something to share. Um, do you want to kick us off, Tom? Sure. Um, my uh, first memory of Rick, and one of the best, was when we actually appointed him. The discussion and, and the interview process, it came down to, to Rick and one other gentleman who were applying for the job. And the other gentleman was actually a good friend of mine. But when it came right down to the interview process and talking to him and understanding and seeing his passion for everything that he was involved with, uh, it wasn't a difficult uh, decision I had to make that I voted for Rick and not for my friend that I had known for quite a few years simply because I could see the passion that he brought to being a co-op board member and the intangibles that he brought into being a board member and uh, I just uh, it's such a great loss for the co-op uh, Cherry Land and for Wolverine and the co-op family around here but uh, I'd say somebody I'll always remember. Absolutely. Eric? I'll share a couple of quick stories. One is um, I, I used to, Rick and I used to joke that I'd use small words because he was just a dumb cement guy. <laughs> and the double joke, of course, is um, uh, Rick hated the, when people used the term uh, cement being synonymous with concrete because <laughs> he was a certified concrete technician and he was really proud of that. And cement is but one ingredient in a good concrete mix. and and so that was always part of the joke. And you could, 
you do it, use it 20 times and it still rile him up, which was always fun because he took a joke really well. Um, and then the dumb part was also just hysterical because he, as Tony said, he never, try, he never tried to lord his business experience or his knowledge over anyone. But we found out at his funeral that um, uh, although we knew he was a CPA and a law, had a law degree, um, he was first in, in, in this class the year that he took the bar exam, highest score in Michigan. And um, he's just an incredibly bright guy. So that was, it was always a fun joke with Rick. Um, about a year ago, uh, I had a, a special dinner for our outgoing chairman, Mr. Walsworth, who was uh, retiring after almost 30 years of service in the co-op. And, and um, Mr. Denoweth as the incoming uh, chairman. And then uh, a number, a, a small number of Wolverine employees that I thought had demonstrated exceptional or made exceptional contributions in the past year. And we shared stories that evening over a very private dinner and, and um, what, what was remarkable about Rick is he could have shared his own stories all night and what he was interested in is, is, was is, is hearing the stories of my employees and he took such pride in seeing the growth of seasoned employees that had worked for several decades for Wolverine but also new employees that he could see were emerging leaders and and that's that's my memory of Rick his sheer excitement of seeing people develop and people do good things for a company he believed in Wow Rick uh, I think it was last year he was a, a participant in the honor flight and took uh, veterans to Washington DC and when he came back and uh, he presented a, a little report at the meeting, board meeting, it was, it was incredible that the emotion that came from him and his, his love for those people who did such heroic things for our country and for him to have the opportunity to go escort a veteran to Washington was in, I think in his mind, just the ultimate thrill in the world. Yep, very committed to veterans. I met Rick in uh, October of 2007 at the Gladhander fundraiser. As Tom said earlier, we had a board opening at that time. And uh, I knew his wife, Connie, she was a bank president, active in the community, very visible, intelligent financial background. And I thought, well, she would make a great board member. So I walked up to Connie that night and I said, you know, we have this opening. You, you might be interested in applying. She goes, oh, no, I couldn't do it. I'm on this board, that board. I just don't have time. But what about my husband? And I can remember thinking, shit, <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get second best. I'm going to get this lady's husband. I, that's not what I walked up to her for. Holy crap. What have I done? Well, he kept a straight face and went about my business, and he applied. And I'm not in on those interviews. That's the board's job to appoint somebody. And they, they picked Rick, and I, I got to know him. And he was one of the best board members I've ever been around. And I've enjoyed nine years of calling him Mr. Connie Denwood. <laughs> and he never cared. He, he, he had no ego. He did so much behind the scenes that... He was perfectly happy being Mr. Connie Denoweth and getting stuff done, and he didn't care if people knew it or not. So I'm going to miss Mr. Connie Denoweth. Yeah, absolutely. My, um, 
my memory of Rick is actually kind of a, a, a tag on what Terry was talking about. Rick and I flew on that honor flight together as guardians, and I and I can confirm that he was really humbled by that experience but when we got back the honor flight organization offered him a standing offer to fly as a guardian anytime in the future and I remember him saying to me that he was not going to take that offer because he wanted he didn't want to take a seat that someone else could have and he wanted someone else to have that experience and then he turned around and raised 20 over twenty thousand dollars for them to send another honor flight out of Traverse City and I just think that for me kind of sum, sums up who he was he was generous and reticent of the spotlight and committed to helping others succeed and certainly someone we will all miss and can look up look up to absolutely so thank you all for joining me to remember rick and uh hopefully to continue his legacy absolutely thank you thank you thank you